and rolling wild. You're so afraid of failure, you don't even try. And on the same token, you're kind of afraid of success because you're not even giving yourself the chance to get there either. So... Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Rolling Wild with me, Alejandro Reynoso. So I know that uh, it's Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you for listening. If this is post-Thanksgiving for you, I hope it was fantastic and that you got to spend time with family and reflect on all the amazing things that you are grateful for. Gratitude is a big one and it's a big way to live a happier life. I know it can get so easy to get bogged down by everything. It happens to me all the time as well. But this is a great time of year to refocus. And it's not the only time of year that we should be grateful or conscious of the things that we have to be grateful for. But this does provide a nice little reset and a nice little focus point to to get us back on track. Now, as for me, I am so grateful to you guys for listening and following along, and I hope that these episodes have been helpful and informative or insightful or just entertaining. I have an awesome episode coming up for you guys in two weeks, so get excited because... Hey everyone, next on Rolling Wild, it's me, Josh Keaton, the Space Dad. That being said... Um, I wanted the focus of this episode or this topic to be a few life lessons or career lessons that I've learned or picked up in the last few years. You know, a lot of people start getting very retrospective and introspective around this time of year, and we start to think about choices we've made or lessons we've learned and things that we want to do better in the new year. A lot of people like to set New Year's resolutions. I'm not a big one for resolutions, but the end of the year does provide a point at which to button things up and at least think about what you're going to be doing in the new year. I don't think it should be a resolution thing because I don't think that works. However, I do like the idea of consciously focusing on something and deciding you're going to work actively towards something, not, okay, this is my thing for this year and we're going to check it off or not. Uh, I think resolutions provide too easy a cop-out because it's kind of the thing that comes along every year and we don't do anyway. But going into the new year, I think it's important to reflect. And I think that this will either remind you of a few things that you have learned in your own experience and just needed to refocus on. Because to be honest, yes, these are things I've learned and that have made a difference But at the same time, it's really easy to fall back into your old patterns. So this will be a good reminder for me as well. Anyway, the first kind of big life lesson that I want to tackle is something that I say all the time on this podcast, but I'd like to break it down a little bit because I always say it's important to be uniquely you. And that just kind of sounds like a motivational throw pillow from Urban Outfitters or Ikea or something. But what I mean by that is honestly precisely what it says. Be uniquely you. It's okay to be you. It's good. It's better to be you. Especially in the entertainment industry where things start to become a race to the lowest common denominator. 
And sure, there are a lot of mitigating factors or things that would have you believe that you have to be one way or another. But the fact of the matter is that anyone who ever truly touched someone with their work or inspired someone or did something that to them felt fulfilling or worthwhile was something that felt like it was a thing that only they could do. And when I say that, I don't mean, for example, in voiceover. Plenty of actors could play the same role, right? Anyone could have played Sypha, and there would have been a million great versions, a million great iterations of Sypha. The way I play her is just the way I play her. And for a lot of you, especially the people that reach out and say, I can't imagine her being any other way, that makes me feel so good, and I'm so glad you enjoy her. I enjoy her too. But the fact of the matter is that someone else could have done her just as well or even better in a different way, and at that point, you would only have been able to imagine her that way. But for whatever reason, Meredith and Kevin and Warren and everyone involved with the project connected to my interpretation of her at that point in time. And we were able to come together and make magic. And that's a really special thing. And it's great to feel like you have a voice and you have agency in something. But the only way I could have done that was to do what I wanted to do with her, in the sense that I was myself, and I played it the way I would play it. The thought wasn't, hmm, how would Tara Strong play this? Because I want to book this job and I know she's great. How would Christina V play this? How would Jennifer Hale play this? How would Kari Walgren play this? How would any of these great actresses play this? And sure, that might be a great point of reference or inspiration, but I think Tara Strong's the best Tara Strong. And I think Jennifer Hale's the best Jennifer Hale. And Christina V is the best Christina V. And so on and so forth. So it's really important not to lose sight of who you are and your voice within this industry. I also talked a lot about this with Hayden Davio in our last episode, and I'm going to be talking to Josh about it as well. It's so important not to lose sight of your own unique voice. All right, the next thing I want to talk about is learning to let it go. I know Frozen 2 just came out, um, and at the expense of annoying some of you guys, because the next one is learn to let it go. And seriously, it's not easy, I know. But what I mean by this in particular, the thing that I'd like to share is how to get through auditioning in a healthy way. I've mentioned before, that is the job. They're just constantly auditioning. Hayden and I were talking about it in the last episode. But your job as an actor is not to book. It's to audition. And the only way you're going to get through the gauntlet of auditioning and auditioning and auditioning and being in that vulnerable place all the time is to really just let it go. And it's hard. It's hard. It's it's a learned, um, it's a habit. It's a habit is what happens is the more you practice it, the more it becomes that. So as you audition, you do the audition, you do the best that you can. You do it as uniquely you, and then you move on and you forget about it. You forget that it ever happened. And that's easier said than done, and easier said than done with some projects more than others. Obviously, there are things we get attached to 
And a lot of actors will tell you that that is the kiss of death. You cannot get attached to something prematurely. That's not to say to suck the joy out of it. But there you have it. And you're constantly auditioning in this business without necessarily booking. Would we love to book everything? Yes. And again, definitely some things more than others, but that's just not how it works. You can't win every battle. In fact, you don't win most. And that's not pessimism. That's not. It's just a fact. It's not even a begrudging fact. It's just the way it is. So how do you deal with that constant rejection? And not even necessarily rejection, especially in voiceover where you just kind of send it out. I would posit that it's actually a lot more difficult to go through that auditioning gauntlet for on-camera work because you're putting your physical self out there and and that is more personal and vulnerable in the sense that you are presenting yourself as the product and that is what is getting the yes or the no. When I'm working, auditioning in the recording booth, there's so much imagination that goes into this. You're building your whole little world and you get to do that. You get to to live out this creative bug And it's not really attached to anything else. So the same thing that makes something like on-camera acting or acting with other people so exciting is the same thing that kind of protects you in a way in voiceover. And yet there is still something so vulnerable because you're still an actor and you're still acting and you're putting a very personal thing out there. Josh and I are going to talk about this a lot more in the next episode, I promise you. But getting back on topic, you really have to learn to let it go. You need to learn to live for that moment in the audition, and hopefully you can do it just for you. This isn't always possible. Inevitably, there is an audition or a project that shakes you up enough that all you're thinking about is what you're doing right at that moment and what it's going to sound like to the casting director and what it's going to sound like to any client who's going to be listening to it. And that sucks because then you're not involved in the character circumstances. You're thinking about you and booking a job. And it happens no matter how much you know this or how well you can get around it or how long you've gone without worrying about it. These things kind of creep back in. It happens. Ideally, how it would go is new audition comes in. Fun. Kill it. Just do it for yourself. Send it in. Forget it ever happened. Move on. Let it go. And I constantly bring up the great Charlie Adler because I love to bring up that why are you suffering zinger. And I'm going to spring that on Josh as well. But that leads nicely into my third life career lesson, and that comes from Charlie. Who here loves to act? So why are you suffering? I recently came across a spot-on tweet from a casting director by the name of Erica Brain, and she addressed these previous two lessons that we've talked about, being uniquely you, learning to let it go, and... uh, a bit more, the whole why are you suffering idea as well. And so I'd like to read this tweet to you. It was a thread, so bear with me. She says, I've spoken with a lot of actors lately who feel stuck 
because they get far in the process, but ultimately don't book. I'm going to break in for a second here. So this is the idea that you audition and you get a callback and maybe another callback and you're in the running for a role and then at the end, maybe you don't book. So I've spoken with a lot of actors lately who feel stuck because they get far in the process but ultimately don't book. The more it happens, the more it makes you question what you're doing wrong. But the truth is, it actually means you're doing something, all caps, very right. However, if the weight of not booking continues to weigh you down, it will become increasingly difficult to let go, which is what you need to do in order to book. Painful cycle. We've all been there, including casting directors. Remind yourself of the joy you feel when you act. Embrace each audition as an opportunity to do what you love and have some fun, all caps fun. Learn from, and then release the weight of past experiences. It's truly the only way to evolve and move forward. (sighs) I don't think I need to say much more about that. I think that speaks volumes and very well for itself. So, fourth life lesson. Even when you're not booking, nothing is wasted. And I talked about this a bit, I think in the first episode of season one, Or at some point in season one. But every experience in life, every audition you go to, it all feeds into the next thing or the next one. Whether it's a new casting director becoming familiar with your work in that audition, good work, even if you don't book. Or maybe it's getting to know someone and developing a genuine rapport with someone that you may end up working with in the future or not, but... Just having other artists in your life feeds that artist bug in you. Or maybe it's developing a new skill. You know, maybe you have a side hustle and you develop new skills doing that. Or you're meeting new people doing that side hustle or in a networking event or an event that you go to that maybe influences a character choice for you. Maybe you meet people that speak a certain way or hold themselves a different way that you hadn't encountered before and that gives you more tools for your toolbox. Everything is ultimately useful if you approach it with the right mindset. And we talk about mindset a lot on this show because it is such a mental game to be in this kind of industry. So nothing is a waste unless you treat it like it is. So don't treat anything like a throwaway. You can learn from every situation. And speaking of nothing being wasted, it's so important to have a life and a fulfilling one. Find things that you find joy in or fulfillment or productivity. Again, I'm going to keep teasing it. I'm talking to Josh about this a lot in the next episode because it's that important. So don't miss it. Next life lesson. It's important to be financially healthy. Ooh, scary. Maybe boring. Numbers. Ah, no one wants to think about money. Unless you have a lot of it, maybe. But that's the next one. It's important to be financially healthy and stable so that you aren't putting financial pressure on your art on top of every other pressure that a career in entertainment facilitates. Even actors who work all the time, if they're smart, find smart investments and ways to diversify their income streams or generate passive income streams or to make sure that they aren't putting any more pressure on their art. Investing time in a side hustle. There's no shame in that. I know it's not easy, 
but it is possible. And I'm going to reference Jennifer Hale here because she's the financial genius of the VO world. You know, it hasn't all been roses and awesome investments, but she's smart. She puts the time in to learn about these things, and she has a great podcast called The Art of Money. So you can check that out if you're interested. But she does talk a lot about not putting that financial pressure on your art because it's the same thing. It's connected to the idea of if I'm not booking, I'm desperate, and then that desperation leaks into my auditions. And oftentimes the idea of I'm not booking is I need to make money, I need to make rent, I need to pay bills on the financial side. Sometimes it is just an identity thing. I'm not booking, I'm not good enough, what's wrong? So again, you don't want to put any of that pressure on your art. It should be enjoyable so that you can bring that enjoyment out of other people who are experiencing your work or the casting director or the client or whatever it is. So financial responsibility is a very good thing. Whatever that looks like for you is totally fine. Whether it's smart investing or maybe you're working from home doing a side hustle or you have a day job, whether it's retail or service or you're writing or editing, whatever it is, find something that'll provide you with financial stability. Flexibility. Flexibility is a huge one. You need to be able to pursue your art without worrying that you're going to get fired for missing a shift or you're going to miss an audition because you can't move work around or, or you can't get someone to cover you. So finding something that's flexible is huge. And I know that's tough because it's difficult to maybe find a job that you feel is worthwhile or, or stimulates you in any way that is flexible. Usually a worthwhile career is going to require a lot or all of your time, including your craft, right? So just remember the idea that nothing is wasted and try to find things that are going to provide you with maybe useful experiences or connections to new people. Don't isolate yourself. Um, maybe a way to pick up new skills. And if you don't love it, if you don't love what you're doing, hopefully you're working hard so that you can move out of that line of work. Hopefully you start working enough in your craft that you don't need to have a side hustle. And if you do, there's no shame in it. You're being a responsible artist and you're taking that financial pressure off of your art and putting it somewhere else where you can generate a more stable, steady income. And again, you can also move into a different side hustle if that's the case moving down the line. So you're never stuck. A lot of times we think we're stuck. And that is very frustrating and that really messes with us. But there's, there's always a way out. Now, something else I've learned, and this is kind of going back to that idea of letting it go. So in the similar vein of letting it go. Some problems that you will come across in life or in your career are what Olympic silver medalist uh, John Coyle, and he's also a design thinking expert, but John Coyle refers to as gravity problems. And these are things that are totally outside of your control. So in those situations, for example, uh, casting decisions or corporate decisions that have nothing to do with your work or your ability or what you're doing in that moment, in those situations, you need to learn to let it go and not try to fight gravity. 
but instead focus on the variables that you can control and let the rest go. It's not about fixing every problem because not every problem is directly fixable by you. It's about playing to your strengths and fixing what you can fix and focusing on those and learning to let the gravity problems go. Okay? So John Coyle also talks about reframing a key question around stress, which is another way to categorize all of this ickiness that we we feel in our careers or in relationships or just anything that's important is stress, stress that is generated. And John Coyle talks about the key question about stress needing to be reframed. According to John, it shouldn't be about how do I create less stress, even though that does sound nice, doesn't it? How do I create less stress? But rather reframing that to be how do I perform better under greater stress and learn to like it? Uh, what? Learn to like it? I know. But it's kind of true and important. There are certain stressors that you have no control over and are going to exist no matter what. So how do I learn to perform better under greater stress and learn to like it? Or at the very least, not let it destroy me. Because in the things that matter most, in our relationships, in our careers, in our dreams, the idea of failing or falling short is incredibly stressful. And it's also incredibly heartbreaking. (sighs) I was having a conversation recently, and this question was posed to me. Is whatever you're doing worth failing at? Is it important enough that it's worth failing at? So I'm going to pose that question to you. Is whatever you're doing worth failing at? That doesn't mean you have to be okay failing at it. That doesn't mean you're going to fail at it. But the idea is that if something is worth the possibility of failure, then it's worth all the work that's going to go into it. And also, up front, you know, I'm going to put a lot of work into this. Because if you don't go into it with that mindset from the get-go, it can be really easily, and I'm speaking from experience here, to say, oh, I don't really want to do that thing. Because if you don't actively pursue it, then you never actively failed. It's, it's a nice, safe space that you create for yourself. You're so afraid of failure, you don't even try. And on the same token, you're kind of afraid of success because you're not even giving yourself the chance to get there either. So more than big lessons, those are kind of big questions that I'm going to leave with you to ponder over yourself. Okay, now that that's nice and heavy, let's shift gears a little bit again. I want to talk about what you have to contribute as an artist. If you are pursuing any kind of career as an artist or an entertainer, I want to talk about what you have to contribute as an artist and how it's really taken me a long time to trust in what I have to contribute as an actor and as an artist and using the voice that I have. 
Last season, we talked about mindset, and we also talked about imposter syndrome in particular, which is a big one. But something I've learned slowly and have had to learn slowly is how to trust in not immediately writing myself off or what I have to contribute as an individual. Because the industry that I work in is very collaborative. And so it's a slow process to learn and trust that you have something to contribute to this team that is valuable or hopefully valuable. And maybe it's not. You also have to be open to putting it out there and maybe someone saying, no, that's not really what we want to do. And not letting that completely destroy your self-confidence, your self-esteem, or the idea that you have something to contribute. Maybe it wasn't that particular thing in that moment, but this doesn't mean that moving forward, you cannot continue to make a contribution. So I started learning that I had a voice and could contribute to that process as much as anyone else. And if it didn't work out, that was okay too but I could continue to do so. I could continue to do so. The biggest gift for me recently has been being able to see other artists and other professionals in this space work, like being able to see them work up close and personal, see them pour their heart into something, because it gave me permission, or rather it, it allowed me to give myself permission to get in there, and to play too. You grow a lot by seeing people who are better than you do what they do so well. And I don't mean better than you baseline as a human being. I mean, there are people who are more skilled, who have more experience, and you can always learn from them. You rise to the level of your peers. It pushes you to to meet to rise to meet that bar. And I have been so fortunate to work with some truly talented individuals, and that has only been phenomenally great for me. I'm also going to toss back to D. Bradley Baker, because he always talks about how important it is to realize that your contribution as a performer is vital and important and special, and that your point of view is valid. And that you as a performer are not subservient or a nuisance. You're a vital contributor. This isn't about ego either. I don't want you to think that this is a I am actor, hear me roar. My thoughts and opinions are the most important. No. This doesn't mean that you are it and that success or failure hinges on you. It isn't always about the actor, which is in and of itself another excellent lesson for those of you keeping track. But as an actor and as an artist, you have just as much to contribute to a collaboration. And it's important for you to speak up in ways that are going to benefit the team. If, for example, you are working on something vocally stressful and you know that your voice is close to breaking, it is totally okay to speak up and tell everyone else because this affects the entire team. If you cannot continue to work or go on, everyone who is working with you in that moment, also has to stop. So it's important for you to take care of yourself and value yourself so that the team can keep going. This isn't about you having a diva moment and making everyone stop production around you. 
you want to make sure that you're not messing everyone up down the line even more by not valuing yourself or your health. Additionally, if you are just holding on everyone else to tell you exactly what to do, granted, sometimes there are very specific prompts you need to fill, very specific briefs or or very specific actions that need to be executed to get everyone to a successful outcome. But if you honestly think that there is something important, feel free to share. This doesn't mean you have to have a comment and an opinion on every single thing. But it's okay when you have those moments. And if you think that this is important to your character or your art or your work, and ultimately to the work of the team, feel free to share that. Now, it also is going to depend on how your team works. Some teams are more open to collaboration than others. It's also about feeling out what that particular rule set is in the situation you find yourself in. But, for example, the Castlevania team is super collaborative, and if you have something to share, share it. If you don't, don't try to share something just because you think you haven't contributed. It's all about getting comfortable in your own skin, and it's so much harder than it sounds, but it's really important. And so I wanted to share that with you guys. And again, it's not just for me. This is all a personal journey that has has been happening for a while now, and that also was largely influenced by what Dee Bradley Baker had to say. The next lesson I was going to share was the it's not all about you thing, but I feel like we kind of covered that. If I wanted to say anything else about it, I guess it would be that as actors, as performers in particular, by the very nature of the job, you are constantly seeking approval. You're seeking approval from an audience who is judging your performance. Before that, you're seeking the approval of agents and casting directors and acting teachers and anyone who is willing to watch or listen. And so it can be very easy in that sense to get a little neurotic and feed all of your insecurities and to think that everything hinges on you and your performance. And guess what? It doesn't. But that's the good news. Now, I talked to Romy, Romy Dames, about this a little bit last season, um, about the moments when you're sitting in the booth or you have time to ruminate and spiral and worry over how much your director or your producer or the client or the engineer hated what you just did. They hated it so much, they are currently still talking about it, sitting in the other room. You can see them through the class. You can't hear what they're saying, but they look animated and they don't necessarily look too happy. You know you did it. Meanwhile, they're just all placing their orders for lunch. You guys got what they needed. They'll be with you in just a moment. In fact, I want to read a quick little excerpt from Rob Paulson's new book, Voice Lessons. It's really, really good, and I highly, highly recommend it if you are interested in being an actor or a voice actor. Or if you like Animaniacs or Pinky and the Brain or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, or you know someone or are someone who has dealt with a cancer diagnosis. It's a great, great book. I pre-ordered mine back in March. It came out in October, and I read it immediately. It's a great book. I highly recommend it. You can get it on Amazon. Anyway, that's my quick pitch on Rob Paulson. But I want to read an excerpt from his book. Okay, this is an excerpt from page 34 
of Rob Paulson's voice lessons, How a Couple of Ninja Turtles, Pinky, and an Animaniac Saved My Life. So for a little background, early on, Rob um, was working on a Jack in the Box commercial, I believe, with a director that he later on would continue to work with and was fairly close to. And he said he had one line. It was a Jack in the Box commercial, and they were doing it over and over and over. And he started just spiraling and thinking, wow, if I can't get this, what hope do I have to have a career as an actor? And so the director pulls him aside and says, Rob, we got this on the first take. He goes on to say that the director put him at ease and taught him a terrific lesson. I didn't take it personally. I went about my business as a professional. Decades later, when I became a voice director on the latest incarnation of the Ninja Turtles franchise, I emulated hobby style. Actors tend toward insecurity and self-involvement under the best of circumstances. Younger ones can be terrified that if they do a single thing wrong, they'll never work in this town again. Hobby taught me how important it was to understand that it's not always about the actor. When I'm directing in a room with four writers, and each one has an idea of how a line should be delivered, it can be a dozen takes before we're done. By then, the actor is a wreck, thinking they've messed up. That's when I take them aside, remind them to keep breathing, and tell them we nailed it the first time. The rest was just gravy. And here's a little bonus getting back to our other life lesson. He goes on to say that he wrapped up that commercial shoot, returned to the Esplanade Apartments as the Peterson's handyman. I didn't mind, he says. It was a great job because it gave me flexibility to go out on auditions, which began to roll in. So please go read this book. It's a great book. That being said, yes, it's not always about you. And that's the good news. The last, last lesson that I'll leave you with is this. Don't stop yourself from living a life or pursuing a dream because you're afraid you'll fail. If you love it that much, it's worth failing at. And if you never give up, well, then you never really failed, right? You can always improve, you can always get better, you can always grow. Take a page from our friend Hayden's book. You can always grow. It's not about being perfect. It's okay to not be perfect. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be the finished product. Nothing is wasted unless you treat it like it is. Nice little culmination of all our life lessons. And these are things that you constantly have to be on. I constantly have to remind myself. But maybe that's what this episode is for. It's to remind me. It's to remind you if you need reminding. And it's also to get you excited for our next episode with Josh Keaton. Hey everyone, next on Rolling Wild, it's me, Josh Keaton, the Space Dad. All right, that's episode 203, what I've learned in the last few years. Happy Thanksgiving, guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing the episode with other people. If you are liking this podcast, please, please, please leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Please share with people who you think might be interested. Please reach out on social media and let me know if you're loving the podcast. And if you have any questions that you would like me to address on the show, please at me on Twitter 
along with the hashtag, hashtag CatMikeQA, C-A-T-M-I-C-Q-A. Okie doke, guys. That's it. Get ready for Voltron's Friendly Neighborhood Space Dad on episode 204. You're welcome.